from WSC News and HTFM1 Columbia. I'm Justin Walsh. And I'm Lydia Blackstone. This is Politically Inclined from WUSC News. Coming up on this week's show, South Carolina Senate candidate Jamie Harrison is here to discuss the state of his race against Senator Lindsey Graham and his stance on today's hot-button issues. Harrison's candidacy is one that has seen a lot of momentum in the last couple months. We'll unpack the unprecedented strength of Harrison's campaign and what he believes need to be done in the next three weeks before the general election. Then the Senate Judiciary hearings to confirm Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court began today. Senate Democrats and Republicans have been at war over the confirmation since its announcement. We'll talk about everything the senators discussed on the first day of what will be many days of hearings. All that and more coming up on this week's episode of Politically Inclined. The news is first. Live from WUSC News, I'm Warjalis. The USC community is mourning the death of sophomore Samuel London today after firemen recovered his body from the brush around a nearby quarry last night. London went missing early Saturday morning after jumping a fence in the Olympia Granby neighborhood to find a shortcut to his destination. USC President Bob Castlin released a statement earlier today saying, Our deepest sympathies and heartfelt prayers are with Sam's family and friends as they grieve his loss. Counseling services are available to students, faculty, and staff impacted by this tragedy. The Richland County Coroner confirmed today that London's death was caused by blunt force trauma to the head and body. Family members and close friends of London are asked for space and time to mourn. Schools around the state are bringing back students and faculty for in-person classes, but as WSC's Finn Carlin reports, this isn't coming without rising coronavirus cases in the classroom. South Carolina K-12 schools reported 99 coronavirus cases since Tuesday, according to SCDHEC. Officials recorded 132 cases statewide on Tuesday, which the state reports to be the largest jump in cases since DHEC began announcing its twice-weekly school district cases on September 4th. As of Friday, at least 808 students and 333 employees have tested positive for COVID-19 since the beginning of the school year. On the USC campus, the active case number has risen to 36 students and 10 employees, adding five new cases since October 8th, leaving the overall positive rate to 1.06%. Roughly 98.2% of quarantine space is available and the campus alert level remains at new normal, according to the university's COVID-19 dashboard. Finn Carlin, WSC News, Columbia. U.S. Senate candidate from South Carolina Jamie Harrison raised a total of $57 million in the last quarter for his campaign, the highest quarterly total of any Senate candidate in U.S. history. Harrison is the Democratic challenger of incumbent Lindsey Graham, and despite South Carolina's position as a solid red state in the upcoming election, recent polls suggest the race is nearly neck and neck. This comes following the death of the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the Senate Republicans' push to fill the Supreme Court's vacant seat, a move that enraged many Democrats and led to a surge in funding for Democratic challengers across the country. Harrison will join us on the program later this hour. The Senate Judiciary Committee kicked off confirmation hearings for Amy Coney Barrett this morning. WSC political correspondent Cadence Tomlinson has the details. Earlier today, the Senate Judiciary Committee began day one of Senator Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation hearings to the Supreme Court. Senator Barrett is President Trump's pick to fill late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat on the Supreme Court. While the hearings are still ongoing, party lines have already been clearly drawn. Republicans emphasize Senator Barrett's political record and religious background. Democrats, on the other hand, emphasize health care policy and coronavirus relief in their opening remarks. 
Senator Barrett praised not only Justice Ginsburg for the path she marked, but also Justice Scalia for shaping her judicial philosophy. She claimed that it was her belief that policy should be left up to state representatives and lawmakers, not the Constitution, and that the law should be applied as it is written. Cadence Tomlinson, WUSE News. Stocks rallied on Wall Street today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average rising 250 points, the Nasdaq up 296 points, and the S&P 500 up 57 points. It's currently 79 degrees outside, mostly sunny, with a low of 64 tonight. The high for tomorrow is 82 degrees, with a low of 53. I'm Ward Jollis, and you're listening to WUSC News. It's 5.58. A social distancing tip. Keeping your distance from others is important in slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are some fun things to do alone. Read a book, take a walk, unpack your suitcase from that trip you took last September, paint a self-portrait, catch up on a TV series, do a puzzle. Remember, we should all stay home to lower the risk for everyone. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Spurs up, masks up, Gamecocks. I'm University of South Carolina student body president Izzy Rushton. And I'm President Bob Caslin. Let's prevent the spread of COVID-19. Keep your distance, no matter the location. Get tested. Wash your hands. Wear face coverings. In class and on campus, in restaurants, and in every social setting around Columbia. And take the I Pledge Columbia promise. We are Gamecocks, so Spurs up, masks up, Gamecocks. We'll get through this together. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Hey, Kate. Yeah. You know that iconic WUSC PSA with the guy that grew lobster claws for hands because he had bad karma? You mean Lobster Boy? Yeah. Very iconic, of course. Right. So I tried going to the website the other day and it doesn't work anymore. I thought it was like a website for service so you could get better karma. Exactly. They want you to get out and vote and do community service and just be a good person. So you know what else makes you a good person? Listening to WUSC because... We support local artists. Exactly. And, and we're that's, cool. That's good karma. So keep mm-hmm. listening to WUSC FM and HD1 Columbia. I think I like it. Hey. Yeah? You ever wonder why we're here? It's one of life's great mysteries, isn't it? Why are we here? I mean, are we the product of some cosmic coincidence? Or is there really a god watching everything? You know, with a plan for us and stuff? I don't know, man, but keeps me up at night. What? I mean, why are we out here, in this canyon? Oh, uh, yeah. What was all that stuff about God? Uh, nothing. You want to talk about it? No. You sure? Yep. Seriously, though, why are we out here? As far as I can tell, it's just a box canyon in the middle of nowhere. No way in or out. Mm-hmm. You're listening to WUSC FM NHD1 Columbia. We know Girls Rock, and we want them to know it too. Through the transformative power of music, Girls Rock Columbia encourages youth to cultivate confidence and command an audience. 
Our summer camp teaches campers the basics of rock instruments and culminates in a live performance with their newfound bandmates. But it does so much more. It teaches daring and bravery that last far beyond adolescence. It celebrates diversity of sound, skin color, and identity. When a camper sees they can tackle a guitar riff with gusto, they begin a fearless path toward lifelong confidence and resilience. For more info and to be involved, go to girlsrockcolumbia.org. Are you considering solar panels for your home? A new law makes it easier for South Carolina residents to use solar power. However, buyer beware. Some companies are promising unrealistic savings to get you to sign now so that when you complain after your bill arrives, they say the only solution to your problem is to buy more equipment. Don't be a victim. If you are thinking about buying or leasing solar panels for your home, treat it like any other major purchase. Educate yourself first before signing on the dotted line. Solar.sc.gov is South Carolina's one-stop shop for consumer education about solar energy. You will find fact sheets, checklists, and detailed information about costs and incentives. You'll also find out how to choose a seller or leasing company and learn red flags to look for to avoid scams. Solar.sc.gov has all the tools you'll need to make an informed, educated decision about your home's energy future. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Energy State Energy Program Award, sponsored by the Office of Regulatory Staff, and aired by the South Carolina Broadcasters Association and this station. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Spurs up, masks up, Gamecocks. I'm University of South Carolina student body president Izzy Rushton. And I'm President Bob Caslin. Let's prevent the spread of COVID-19. Keep your distance, no matter the location. Get tested. Wash your hands. Wear face coverings. In class and on campus, in restaurants, and in every social setting around Columbia. And take the I Pledge Columbia promise. We are Gamecocks, so Spurs up. Masks up, Gamecocks. We'll, we'll get, get through, through this, this together. together. Hey, Kate. Yeah. You know that iconic WUSC PSA with the guy that grew lobster claws for hands because he had bad karma? You mean Lobster Boy? Yeah. Very iconic, of course. Right. So I tried going to the website the other day, and it doesn't work anymore. I thought it was like a website for service so you could get better karma. Exactly. They want you to get out and vote and do community service, and just be a good person. So you know what else makes you a good person? Listening to WUSC, because... We support local artists? Exactly. And, and we're that's, cool. That's good karma. So keep mm-hmm. listening to WUSC FM and HD1 Columbia. I think I like it. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. 
Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 30 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. Dreaming of becoming a professional race car driver? Speeding around empty parking lots is a start, but going pro takes time. So does quitting smoking. It's not about stopping in one day. It's about starting with day one. You just need to take that first step. Get started on your journey toward a smoke-free life with the American Cancer Society. We'll give you the support and resources you need to quit smoking. The finish line is closer than you think. Learn more at cancer.org slash smokeout. You are listening to Politically Inclined from WSC News. I'm Justin Walsh. A native of Orangeburg, Senate candidate Jamie Harrison has seen an unprecedented influx of support given to his campaign. The, the, pol- the political report is now calling his race against Senator Lindsey Graham a toss-up, which has given Democrats hope that things are shifting politically in the southern states. Here with Lydia and I to talk more about his candidacy so far and his platform, please welcome Jamie Harrison. Mr. Harrison, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you, Lydia, for having me on. Of course. So just to start off, I feel like we can't start off any other way. Just why did you choose to run for Senate? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, partly I grew up here in South Carolina. I grew up in Orangeburg. I was the son of a teen mom. My mom was actually 16 when she had me. Um, and I was raised by my grandparents and we didn't have a whole lot of money and all. Um, but I was able and fortunate enough to go to Yale and Georgetown law school and to do well by myself. You know, when I think about it, I've lived the American dream. And when I decided to move back here to South Carolina uh, in 2012, my wife and I decided to raise our boys here. You know, we started going all around the state and we realized that there are a lot of young folks here who don't believe that they will get an opportunity to live their American dreams. And that's part of the reason why I'm running for the Senate. Uh, I know how powerful uh, opportunity and hope can be, but there's so many folks in our state who don't have any hope or opportunities. Uh, And I want to work to make sure that they do. Uh, And and that's why I'm running for the Senate is to bring hope and opportunity back to communities that have lost all sense of it. Your campaign has raised quite a bit of money, um, a record-breaking amount, um, the most ever for a single quarter on a Senate campaign. Why do you think this is? Well, it's a grassroots campaign, and uh, a lot of people like my message of hope. You know, over the past few years, the, the country has been so torn apart and so divided. And, you know, instead of talking about chaos and division, I talk about hope and opportunity and unity. And I think that's refreshing to a lot of folks. Um, You know, it's about how we rebuild and revitalize South Carolina so it's a better place for all of us, not just a few of us, but all of us. Uh, And so we've been able to inspire a whole new generation of folks who are looking at some hopeful leadership. So uh, just this past quarter, uh, you know, we raised $57 million, uh, which was a record. we had 1.5 million contributions, a million people contributed at about $37 a pop. And so it's not big dollars from big corporations or anything. It's just aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, moms and pops, and, and some kids and students too. So um, it's, it's just amazing to see the energy and the excitement uh, across the state for, for this campaign. 
Yeah, it certainly sounds amazing. So for the fa- for the past few months, I know I personally have been seeing your ad campaigns across so many social platforms, like whether it be YouTube, Facebook, or even like on streaming services like Hulu. You can't you can't escape this big round head, man. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say this is, you've been using these as a technique to appeal for like a younger demographic of voters? Because I know that's like nowadays social platforms, social media. That's how a lot of them get their information. We we are using every medium out there to get our message out to younger voters in particular. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I want young voters to understand is they have the power to dictate what this country looks like. Uh, young voters have the power to, to dictate who the, the leaders are of today and the future. The only thing they have to do is utilize that power. Go to the polls. Uh, and listen to the, the folks who are running for office. I, and I don't care if they're Democrat or Republican or independent or what have you. Listen and figure out who are the candidates that are representing your values and your interests, who are fighting for the things that are important to you, and use your power to select those folks. And if you did it as a group, as a collective, I mean, you could change the direction of this country. And so um, I hope that young voters are listening to my message about protecting our environment, tackling issues like student loan debt, um, making sure that there's jobs and economic opportunity for once you graduate from college and, and you go to grad school. I mean, all of these things are really, really big issues right now uh, that, that I think have a dramatic impact on the livelihoods of so many young folks. You just brought up um, student debt, which is such a hot topic for students, people on campus, definitely talking about that. Um, something personally that you said that you understand. Um, so tell me, um, what what is your goal to fix that? Well, listen, 20 years out of college, I am still paying on my student loan debt. So I know, I mean, I ended up with, out of law school with $160,000 of student loan debt. My wife uh, out of law school had $90,000 of debt. So together, to, we got $250,000. That's a nice house here in, in South Carolina. So, you know, and, you know, when you first get out, you get a few months and then Sally Mae is knocking on your door like, okay, where's my money, right? I want my money. <laughs> so write my check before you pay your rent, before you do anything else, I want my money. And that's hard for young people. And never in, in America's history have we had generations that have been saddled with so much debt to start off their lives. And therefore, things that, you know, getting married, getting uh, your first house, all of these things are now taking longer for younger the, 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 the next generation to do um, when you juxtapose it to older generations. So one of the things I want to do is figure out how we solve the problem in general. We know the cost of tuition has been rising at an astronomical pace. So, you know, I know folks are like, well, just give me loan forgiveness now. But just doing loan forgiveness doesn't solve the problem because that just means we're kicking the can down the road and the, the students that come in the next 20 or 30 years, we have to do the same thing. Let's fix the problem in terms of the rising cost of tuition. But at the same time, let's give some reprieve to our young folks who are saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Let's let them refinance at a much lower interest rate so they're not paying so much money in just interest on their loans. And so I think that we let's give them opportunities if going into certain careers and actually using that for loan forgiveness. I think there's a lot that we can do, um, but uh, it's a $1.6 trillion problem right now. Uh, there are more, more folks with student loan debt than there are 
folks with credit card debt, and we really have to address that. Yeah, if there's anybody that understands student debt and what it's going to be us students. And speaking <laughs> of the students, before we had you on, um, we actually asked some USC students um, and some people from around the state what they want, like any questions they had for you. So we're yeah. going to move on to some of those. And our first question comes from our own station manager here at WSC, uh, USC senior Colleen Hovich. She asks, how will you work with down ballot races and using the extraordinary amount of money to help uh, Democrats? Do you believe this race can resurrect the Democratic Party in South Carolina? That hasn't won statewide since 2006. Well, I am working a lot with down ballot races. We have put together the largest field operation in the history of the South Carolina Democratic Party. Um, uh, we have organizers in every county in South Carolina, multiple ones, and they're all not only working for me, but they're working for all of our other candidates as well. Uh, we're paying for mail, we're doing uh, you know, radio spots, all encouraging people to go out and vote and to support some of our down ballot races because that's really important also. I often tell people that you know we sometimes get caught up in just the federal elections, but the people who have more impact on your day-to-day -day life are the folks who are in your state house and the state senate and city council and county council. Every aspect of, of your life, somebody is in elected office has some impact on it. And so you wanna make sure that you're not only focusing on just who wins the White House and who wins the US Senate, but you wanna focus all the way down the line. And, and so we're doing all that we can to help a number of these candidates uh, running on the down ballot. To bring in another student question, um, it comes from Derek Maine, a senior at Clemson, the rival school, Noel. Um, he asked, um, would you support court packing if Joe Biden became president? I've uh, gone on record on saying this, you know, I've always seen the Supreme Court as nine. Uh, nothing has uh, changed my mind on that at this point in time. Uh, you know, I believe in the way that I look at these issues, the, the filibuster issue is the same way, is that you got to look at not only the short term political gains, but the long term repercussions. Um, and, you know, how does it help and whether or not or does it hurt us as a democracy and as a nation? And at this point, I don't see the, the long-term benefit for us. Um, and so I, I, I probably would not be supportive of that at this point. All right, then. So um, going back to so what your mission statement is all about. So one quote that really stuck out to me surrounding your campaign is that um, this isn't about left versus right. It's about right versus wrong. What does this personally mean to you? And why do you think the South Carolina community should keep this in mind when deciding who to vote for? Well, and thank you for, for, for that, Justin. Because I think we get so caught up sometimes in the DNER that we lose sight of the problems that folks are dealing with. Now, I'll give you an example. Uh, here in South Carolina, our, many of our rural hospitals are starting to close. And that's partly because of the refusal to expand Medicaid in the state. Well, you know, if you live in one of those communities, you could be a Democrat or Republican. You could say you have a heart attack or a stroke or complications with diabetes or, uh, you know, you or, or a spouse. Uh, is having complications with a pregnancy. And instead of taking the 10 or 15 minutes it used to take you to get to your nearest hospital, and now it takes you 35 or 45 minutes, that's a death sentence. And it doesn't matter if it's a Democratic solution to keep your hospital open or a, a Republican solution to keep it open. You just want a solution. And that's the way that we have to think about these things. The reason, you know, you look at the fact that many of, much of South Carolina doesn't have broadband. You're not looking for a Democratic or Republican solution. You just want a solution. Drilling off of the coast of South Carolina and protecting our environment uh, from climate change. You're not looking for a Democratic or Republican solution. You want a solution. 
And so if we get past the, you know, whether or not you are, you know, and, and sorry for saying this, Clemson or Carolina, right? And look past what is really, really, not that that's not important, it is important, but look at a level deeper. We can come together and get so much more done in our state. And so that's what I'm really focused on. How can we make South Carolina a better place for all of her people? And if we can do that, in the end of the day, let's do that. And then we can fight about who can take the credit for it afterwards. But let's just make progress. One more question from a student, Lexi Johnson. She's a senior here. She asks, um, how will you work to make climate policy a bridge issue rather than a wedge issue? Well, I believe that, you know, you know, in my own faith, I think that the earth is the greatest treasure that the Lord has given us. Um, and I think it's something that we pass on from generation to generation. And I want to pass it on to my sons and uh, and the folks of, of their generations in, in a better shape than the way that it was passed on to me. And that means that we all have to work on it to make sure that happens. Uh, that means that, you know, we need to reduce our dependency on foreign uh, on fossil fuels. Uh, we have to increase uh, our investments in alternative energies, wind, solar, uh, hydro, uh, and other things that we can do in order to reduce carbon emissions dramatically. Uh, we have to do that. We have no other choice at this point in time. Uh, and so that's really, really important to me. And I hope that we can work in a bipartisan fashion because we only have one earth. And once we lose it, it's gone, folks. And uh, again, you can be a Democrat or Republican, but once it's gone, it doesn't matter. It's gone. And so let's figure out how we can work together, not demonize the issue, but work together in order to address it. Absolutely. And so our final question for you. Um, so clearly a lot of our listeners are USC students, and they want to know specifically for our age group what you have to offer them. So please tell me, why do you think you are the right choice for U.S. Senate for South Carolina? Well, you know, I've said on the campaign trail, uh, what I am trying to do is to close the book on what I call the old South and write a brand new book called the new South. One that is bold, that is inclusive, that is diverse. Because I believe that South Carolina's better days are ahead of her and not behind her. Um, you know, there's so much division. And we know the history uh, here in the state and it has not always been a good history. But I believe that there's so much more that we can do and accomplish if we work together, but actually have leadership with a vision for how we move forward. We need someone who understands the burden of student loan debt and that, you know, we can't have kids be successful, uh, students be successful if they have to start off their lives with so much debt. We need someone who understands the importance of tackling the issue of climate change. Not someone who just talks about climate change, but is actually willing to do the hard work in order to address it. We need someone who understands that our infrastructure in the state is falling apart and we need to fix it. There is no way that we can go into the move into the 21st, 22nd century uh, without having broadband all across the state and dead zones in terms of our cell phone coverage. Uh, I understand that because uh, I'm not that much older than you all, but, but I understand that and I'm raising uh, kids who are younger than, than our students now. So I have my foot in both understanding where we've been in the past, knowing what we're doing in the present, and also looking forward to how we build a better future. Absolutely. Thank you. So That is all we have. So thank you so much for joining us today, Mr. Harris. Really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you both and best of luck and please stay safe. Thank you so and much. Vote. vote, everybody. Vote. You heard him. Uh, that was a South Carolina Senate candidate, Jamie Harrison. We'll be right back.
In the United States, an estimated 40,000 women and men will die of breast cancer this year, but breast cancer deaths are declining as early detection and new treatments increase. This is Bob Coble, Mayor of Columbia. I'm joining other mayors, the National Breast Cancer Awareness Month Board of Sponsors, and AstraZeneca to encourage you or the women in your life to get the facts about early detection. Call 1-888-842-6355. By the age of 25, one in two sexually active people will have an STD and most won't know it. Healthy Carolina and Student Health Services have brought MTV's GYT campaign to campus. Get yourself tested. Visit the Thompson Student Health Center lab to get tested today. Know your status and help protect others. GYT. This message was brought to you by WUSC 90.5 FM. Why can't I get a monkey? Why can't you catch a whale with a worm? Dad, can we go to the moon on vacation? If you think it's tough answering these questions, imagine the ones you'll get if your child is diagnosed with cancer. CureSearch.org is a website that can help. It connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Sassy! Sassy! This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg. Ha-ha, I win. Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well. I'm wet. What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl. What? You'd rather use this time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold. People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? (laughs) What? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What'd he say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt. What's up, Gamecocks? It's Schuler from Death Drive 90.5. We're all stoked to be back on campus. But we've got to remember that the threat of COVID-19 is still very real and very present. Take measures to protect those around you and to protect yourself. Wear that mask. Wash your hands. Stay six feet apart. Don't eat anything that you find on the ground. Stop licking doorknobs. Let's all work together for a COVID-free campus. Because riffs should be sick. You shouldn't. Keep it healthy, keep it safe, and keep it locked to 90.5. WUSC-FM and HD1 Columbia. All ears in Washington today were tuned in to the first day of hearings to confirm Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. The hearings kicked off with Senate Democrats and Republicans giving their opening statements, with the most notable being one of the Democrats, vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris's statement, in which she scolded Senate Republicans for their rapid timeline. The hearings will sur- surely grow more tumultuous in days to come, especially as more sensitive topics are sure to come up here to talk more about what the senators discussed today 
is USC political correspondent Kendall Smith. Kendall, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Lydia. Hi, Justin. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It was a very busy day in the world of politics, as you just talked about. Of course it was. Let's first let's talk about that. Let's first talk about Amy Coney Barrett. Before we get into what all the senators said today, what was your opinion about her opening statement? Well, Amy Coney Barrett gave an opening statement towards the end of the day, and a couple of things that stood out to me during that statement, one being it is not the court's duty to solve every problem or right every wrong in American life. That is something that she said, and she said that she aligns her legal philosophy with the late Justice Antonin Scalia, who she served as a clerk for, so that was definitely something to me that stood out very clearly. She clerked for him. She even said a lot of my legal philosophy comes from him. She said she will fulfill her duties impartially and faithfully. I think during her opening statement, something she really needed to get across was the fact that she will fulfill her legal duties impartially and faithfully because there has been so much discussion in her. You know, if she is um, indeed confirmed to serve on the United States Supreme Court, that will give conservatives a six to three tilt in the Supreme Court, which definitely could be something interesting to watch in terms of maybe overturning some of these landmark cases that we have seen in the past. So her opening statement, I think, just referred to the fact that she is going to see the law as the law and how it is written, and she really hammered that in today. Yes, of course. Some very important people are on that um, Senate Judiciary Committee. Both will be on the South Carolina ballots. I'm talking about Kamala Harris and Chairman Lindsey Graham. Um, First, let's talk about Kamala. What was your opinion on her opening statement where she very strongly criticized um, the having of the hearing at all because of coronavirus concerns? Do you think that her claims that it was very unsafe to have that hearing while she zoomed into this um, amidst coronavirus is a good argument? I do. I think that we are in the middle of a global pandemic. So I think she has every right to uh, stay at home in her office and participate on Zoom. I was glad to to see that she was participating through Zoom. Obviously, she has the choice to do that. What I do want to talk about, though, she did call this entire process illegitimate. So not only uh, was she commenting on the fact that this has been a very rapid process in, you know, the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett uh, following the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but she also called the process illegitimate, and I I think that's very interesting. You know, this Supreme Court topic has been massive for this 2020 election. We've heard about it in both debates so far, and something really interesting that's coming with it and that you just discussed with Jamie Harrison is that potential court packing issue. We talk about it all the time. You see it on the news all the time, so I think something that Kamala Harris needs to be considerate of is the fact that her running mate, Joe Biden, said that Americans don't deserve to know if he's going to pack the court. So while I do think, you know, obviously things are going to be uh, very tumultuous, as you said, it is something she needs to consider that, hey, you know, if Amy Coney Barrett does indeed get um, nominated to the Supreme Court and if she is confirmed, that that is something uh, that many are going to be wondering about if Joe Biden does, in fact, win this upcoming election. That court packing is definitely something that's being asked a lot, talked about. Um, not sure on what the answer will that will be if Joe Biden does become um, president. But let's talk about um, this hearing. While it might not be unconstitutional to have it, the the race to get it done of Democrats are definitely fighting for her not to be confirmed. What do you think are some of those main arguments that they're giving out to why she shouldn't be confirmed? And do you think those are valid? 
Well, the argument that many Democrats are giving as to why Judge Amy Coney Barrett should not be confirmed is that we are you know, coming up on an election here in less than a month. And the main argument from them has been, hey, we need to wait until this election is over. We need to see who the American people pick. Are they going to decide to stay with President Trump or are they going to pick Joe Biden in this upcoming election? So their main argument is, President Trump, you are coming up on an election. You should not nominate a justice to serve on the Supreme Court. And we talked about Senator Lindsey Graham. He is the Senate Judiciary Committee chair. He said, There's nothing unconstitutional about this process. Republicans are fighting this argument from Democrats by saying President Trump, he is in office for four years. He is, you know, elected as the president of the United States of America to serve for four years. And it is absolutely constitutional and it is absolutely okay for him to nominate Judge Amy Coney Barrett. So definitely a lot of opinions on both sides. And it will be interesting to see how this shakes out. Personally, I think that Judge Amy Coney Barrett uh, will receive confirmation to serve on the Supreme Court. The Republicans have the majority in the Senate. And, you know, Senator Lindsey Graham talked about it earlier today on today's uh, first day of hearings. He said, we're just politicking at this point. I think most people have made up their minds. And I don't think within the next four days until Thursday, anyone is really going to change their minds on what decision they are going to make in terms of approving Amy Coney Barrett to serve on the Supreme Court. Last question that I have for you, Kendall, is um, some of the main issues of course, they'll be discussed more um, in coming times where it's not just statements. But um, today, they were definitely brought up by the Democrats, brought up by the Republicans. Some of those main issues being the Affordable Care Act, Roe v. Wade. Um, do you think the Senate Judiciary Committee is assuming on how she will rule? Or do you think that her religion and her political party um, will change the way that she does look at the Constitution? I definitely think that this is going to be a couple of interesting topics that are going to be brought up in the next couple of days. Look, I'm going to go off based of what Judge Amy Coney Barrett has said. She said that she is going to apply the law as it is written. I don't know how she's going to rule. I don't want to make any comments on how she is going to rule if she is indeed confirmed to serve on the Supreme Court. But I can say that I know these next few days, the Affordable Care Act and, of course, Roe v. Wade, a landmark case in the United States Supreme Court will be brought up quite a bit. She is starting questioning tomorrow, so we'll definitely get to see a lot of that. And a lot more there that will be talked about. Kendall, thanks so much for having being on this week. We loved having you. That was political correspondent Kendall Smith. We've reached out to Senator Lindsey Graham's team multiple times to have the senator on the show as well. That offer still stands, and that's all for Politically Inclined this week. Keep checking in with us on Mondays at 6 for more on what's going on in politics. Politically Inclined is a production by WSC News and is produced by Stephanie Justice and Ward Jollis. The outreach coordinator for Politically Inclined is Julie Crosby and the music for Politically Inclined is called Fluffy by Smith the Mister. You can find other news shows and WUSC News podcast at garnetmediagroup.org. Live from WSC News in Columbia, I'm Lydia Blackstone. And I'm Justin Walsh. This is Politically Inclined. We'll see you next week.
know, there are 56. Hi, I'm home. Any mail? Nothing too exciting. Just David's report card and something from the water company. Another water bill? Uh, I don't know. I didn't open it. Oh, David's report card could be better. But this is interesting. The water company sent us a report about the quality of our tap water and where it comes from. And? Our water passed all its tests, unlike some people around here. You'll also be receiving a short new report about your tap water from your water supplier. Look for it, and when it comes, read it. For more information, call your water supplier or 1-877-EPA-WATER. Hey, this is Gina from the Winter Sounds, and you are listening to... WUSC-FM, Columbia. Put your hair back in that magic black elastic. Powerless to ponytails who, who used to do gymnastics And I, I know you know you want to dance I watch you smile and try to mask it you stir your whiskey with the plastic You're picture perfect in this light beer Never mind the 20-hour flight here oh. 